Ante Up is your poker magazine dedicated to the everyday player and their poker rooms. Pick up a free copy at your favorite poker room nationwide each month. But Ante Up is much more than a magazine. Visit AnteUpMagazine.com daily for breaking news and each week download our award-winning poker cast. Join us on our action-packed poker cruises to exotic destinations. Ante Up, it's your poker magazine. From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It's March 31st, 2017. You're listening to the best poker cast on the interwebs. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. A year ago today, I rolled my first 300 in 20 years. Wow. That's an odd anniversary. Yeah, I know. I know. And I have to bowl tonight, too, so maybe I can do it back-to-back. That'd be awesome. Well, be sure you, uh, you know, you do the the poker stuff with the bowling. Yeah. Yeah, that's... You should celebrate your anniversary the right way. Yeah, by uh, pulling random cards and... Yes. No different than 2-4 limit. The first line in our notes today says, Chris, back from cruise. I mean, it never says this. <laughs> it always says, Scott, back from cruise. Well, I stay home and do the magazine or something. And this is the first time you, you left me in charge, Scott. What were you thinking? Yeah, really. I Honestly, I don't know what I was thinking. Because, uh, you know, you get off, you're like, hey, everybody's making fun of you for not being on <laughs> board. And everybody's telling me how wonderful and awesome I am and running the <laughs> And then all those same people get off the cruise. They're like, oh, my gosh, never skip a cruise again, Scott. Yeah, right. Like, all of them. Even people that weren't even on the cruise were like, hey, can't believe this. I got to tell you, I love telling people all week that the dog catcher called in sick and you had to fill in. That's why you couldn't be on the cruise. It's the greatest thing ever. Our city doesn't have a dog catcher. Sorry. Um, But you know what? We had a lot of hardcore players, and it was it was a success, and it was great. And poker was going all the time, and you know, I mean, it, it's it's pretty much a well-oiled machine now. Anyway, you and I are just there to be like, okay, I'll do whatever you say, Ramsey. You know, <laughs> so but uh, you know, a lot of stuff happened. I had to make some decisions here and there, but uh, everything worked out fine. And um, a couple of stories. I don't want to hide the whole show, but a couple of stories, and then I'll let it go. First was, as you know, uh, we always play LCR. And uh, it stands for left, center, right, but no one calls it that. We all say left, right, center. Um, and we play at dinner every week, every night, twice twice a night. And the last time we cruised and I played, I won twice in one week, and Jeannie won once. So yes, there was some bad blood, and people wanted to get their revenge and get their money back. So Jeannie and I went 0-4-7, I think, until the last one. And it looked like... It was going to be Little Joe or Heather. And at the last second, a dollar, Little Joe had an L and had to go over to Big Joe. So now he's two people away from me. And I'm like, there's no way I'm going to win now. I'm, I'm going to go over the whole week. I hate this game. I don't want to play this game. So somehow, Big Joe rolls an R. Little Joe rolls an R. Comes to me. I roll a dot. Heather rolls a dot. I roll a dot. Heather rolls a dot. 
I roll a dot. Heather rolls a center, and I'm like, "All I need is a dot, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna not only win the last game of the week, but I'm gonna actually get all my money back." I roll a dot, Scott. It was better than winning any pot I've ever won in poker. It was unbelievable. I stood up. They handed me all the singles, and I started doing like a rap video. I started raining the dollars, you know, and screaming in the middle of the dining room. It was the greatest thing ever. People from four tables away were smiling and clapping and giving me high fives. It was awesome. They were probably smiling and clapping because left, right, center was over for the night. <laughs> for, for the week. For the week. <laughs> Everyone wants to know what's going on when you're playing that game. It's hilarious because we all get so excited toward the end. In the beginning, it's kind of you know quiet because you all have three dollars and there's money around you and everything. And but at the end, it was hilarious. I couldn't believe it. I had no expectation of winning that game at all. And it went right, right, back to me. And then I rolled three dots in a row to win. I couldn't believe it. It was crazy. Um, but one other thing was, earlier in the week, I was in the solarium. And I walked by. And these ladies, older ladies, had put like four tables together. And were playing left, right, center. Or whatever, however you want to call it, LCR for money just like us and they had a stack of singles i mean it was a good four or five inches high in the middle and they were playing left right center i couldn't believe it. i walked by i'm like oh my left right center whoo they're like oh you know it was pretty funny but um, I have only one comment about this story okay and it's that it's almost hard to believe that you could not get behind playing Kentucky Derby pool during our home <laughs> poker game now that's some kind of travesty to the world uh, but you'll sit there on every dinner on a cruise ship and play a game where you just roll dice and hope for the best <laughs> well first of all I'm forced to play this game <laughs> alright because my wife wants to do it and then we had all of her cousins on this cruise so they all sat with us and they all wanted to do it because they'd heard the stories from especially the Alaskan cruise. Uh, so I'm sort of forced to do it, but you're leaving out a very vital part of the home game when I'm like, you're taking money off the table for us to win. It's not right. <laughs> Playing this other game is not the same thing. So, But I, I'm forced to play it. So, um, but it was, it was hilarious. It was like if somebody had a camera on me, I mean, I don't know. It would have been, like, hilarious. It would, it would have been viral. Because, I mean, I'm freaking, I'm just raining the dollar bills and screaming, and people are all, like, laughing and cheering. I mean, from, like, tables away. And you're probably right. They're probably just happy that it's over. But, I mean, it was it was like the culmination of all week of just losing and losing and losing. There were a couple of times where Gene or I could have rolled a dot and won. And we once one of us rolled a center once, and another one an L. And then, so it was really frustrating to finally win one. So it was very good, but... All right, just some poker. So uh, I have a hand of the week at the end of this. Um, Cannot wait. And it's kind of tied to this. I have to advise people, do not play Zoom poker for play money before you play on the ship with real money. I got to tell you, you know, uh, ever since I told you that story about me trying to play papes and stuff, you know, I was trying to win enough money to be able to play any of the events that come up when I'm available, so... You know, late at night, you're sitting there, and there's nothing on TV, and you don't feel like going through Netflix or whatever, so you just turn on the, the iPad and play a couple of games or whatever, and then you, I'm like, oh, you know what, I'll go on Zoom Poker, and then you start playing Zoom Poker, and you're playing a, a million hands in, like, 20 seconds, and you're playing with people who just, they're playing any two cards, they don't care, they just want to take all your money. Well, when you do that, and then you have to go play at a regular poker room, 
you know, the anti up poker room on the ship, especially, and you're getting at max 30 hands an hour instead of 30 hands in three minutes. Oh man, poker becomes tough to do. And then, and then you have to play because most of these people know what they're doing when you're playing with live tables. I mean, they're that's why they've chosen to go on this cruise because most of our bookings now are direct, they're not like giveaways. So these people are choosing to spend their own money to play poker. So they they pretty much know how to play decently. And when you're playing Zoom poker, it's 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 brutal. So I gotta tell you, don't ever do that. Don't don't play for play money, especially Zoom poker, because you're gonna fall asleep at the table and you're gonna make all the wrong decisions. And we'll see uh, if that's true in hand of the week. So, but uh, probably is. But it was great. I gotta tell you, everybody on that ship that was with our group was buzzing about our Cuban. Yeah, I was just gonna say uh, I was gonna bring that up. So nice segue. That uh, I apologize to all the folks who have been trying to get more information on that cruise because not only had we announced it on the show way early, uh, but it's also the cover of the magazine this month, a beautiful photo from our poker manager, uh, Ramsey uh, Slayman. Yep. Um, <coughs> and it sounds like the phone's been ringing off the hook. I'm glad that's not my job anymore. That's Jeannie's job. Um, but uh, we have now finally signed the contract, um, and we will be getting our website updated with all the details here uh, shortly. So hang in there for a couple more days, and then uh, you'll be able to uh, start booking, and uh, it sounds like it's going to fill pretty quickly. So Yes, it does. I mean, not only that, but we did the show last week about it, so I don't want to get into detail or anything, but just having Ramsey on the ship with us and taking us around, thats once word gets out that that's happening, I mean, yeah, that this ship's going to fill up. We're going to have a lot of poker, I think, on this, this one cruise, so uh, very exciting stuff, so. Absolutely. Well, also exciting is uh, Randy at Poker Tour is uh, underway in Pearl River in Choctaw, Mississippi. Great resort there. And uh, normally I would be there the entire time, but, you know, i got other responsibilities now. So uh, I am flying out in the morning, which will be Friday, depending on what time you listen to this. And uh, looking forward to getting up to Pearl River, so I'll be on site for the rest of the event, which uh, finishes up this weekend. There's a couple more events, uh, but the big thing, obviously, is the main event. And uh, that is a um, $800 buy-in, $100,000 prize pool guaranteed. And, of course, the winner gets on the cover of the next Anti-Up magazine and also an entry in the 2017 Anti-Up World Championship, which will be at Thunder Valley in California this August. So uh, come out and say hi and uh, look forward to seeing you. And uh, I feel bad I haven't been out there earlier, but uh, looking forward for some uh, good Southern cooking, by the way, too. Woo-hoo. So, absolutely. So, um, I know uh, I know there's some fans already out there because I've been following uh, following you on Facebook and Twitter, and everybody seems to be having a good time. The opening event, which was a hundred thousand dollar guarantee as well, but only a three forty buy in, uh, shattered that guarantee. Nice. Um, so it sounds like everything's going quite well out there. So, looking forward to seeing my friends uh, at Pearl River in Mississippi. And uh, if you're gonna be out, say hi to me at the, at the event this weekend. And uh, if not, uh, you'll hear a lot more about it on next week's show. Anti-updates, BBO Poker Tables has announced a new promotion to give away a seat in the World Series of Poker main event and a private training session with world champion Jamie Gold. Enter at bbopokertables.com. Use referral code ANTIUP to be entered into another drawing for a BBO Poker Table top. 
Yeah, I think this is kind of interesting. And we always get uh, people like, hey, we're doing a big uh, promotion. Do you know and sharing it? And we're like, you know, hey, I don't know if you've been in business before. That's not quite how it works, but let's, let's work something out where uh, you give something back to the NEF community as well, too. So uh, good folks at BBA Poker Tables understood that right away. And they're like, all right, so what if we do a separate drawing for everybody that, that mentions that they heard, uh, heard about it through Andy up? And I'm like, that's perfect. So not only do you get a chance to win a World Series of Poker main event seat, which is probably the biggest prize anybody ever wants as a poker player, right? Right. Um, and then you uh, this, this training session with Jamie Gold is pretty cool. You can do it on the phone or you can do it um, you know, over the Internet um, or you can do it in person out there in Vegas. And then he's going to also help you out uh, uh, at your table. I mean, not actually at your table, but um, giving you advice throughout the um, – the first day of the series so that's a pretty cool prize to win and then on top of that if you win obviously if you as long as you uh, check the little Andy up box when you enter then you get a chance to win this uh, poker tabletop as well so. yep uh, advanced poker training the world's leading poker training site has beefed up its relationship with Andy up and will now be giving all Andy up poker cruise passengers a free one month membership for more information on Andy up cruises visit com. Each week, we spotlight a listener who emails us at podcast at com, And if they haven't won something from us in the past year, just like we do with Call the Floor and Hand of the Week, we send them something cool. Comes from Steve Pavlicek. He says, as many poker players do, my friends and I have discussed what it would be like to play in the World Series of Poker main event. Reality usually sets in and we are returned to our low-stakes home games, bar league poker tournaments, and the occasional World Series of Poker circuit event or work trips to Vegas. Well, my friend Tom was not just dreaming about it. He was planning the pilgrimage to Vegas for the main event. It was on his official bucket list of things he wanted to experience. That was last year, before he was diagnosed with stage 4 pancreatic cancer. He was too sick to go to Vegas during his last summer, and he knew he would never be able to fulfill his dream. The cancer could not affect Tom's generosity and love of others around him. He resolved that his poker-playing friends would not miss out on the experience and bequeathed World Series of Poker main event buy-ins to five of his poker-playing friends, including me. What advice would you give to a typical recreational poker player about to jump into the granddaddy of poker tournaments? Well, first of all, can we admit that this is just the most amazing email ever, right? Yeah. I mean, I would love to be in that kind of position where I could just, you know, do something nice for my poker friends. And it's it's awesome that these people are going to be able to go out there and kind of live this not only for themselves, but, but for Tom as well, too. So right. that's pretty cool, Steve. So, um, all right, so a couple of things I gave him. Um, I, you know, there's a lot of little tiny things that, I, that that I'll get into here that I think you should do, but... I want to start off with a big one, and the big one is never lose sight of the fact that this is an experience, right? Mm -hmm. This is, I mean, it's probably never going to happen for these folks again unless one of them goes on a big run and and, and cashes, which is what we all hope. But I think, for me, I think the best thing is let's just be realistic about the experience. There's going to be more than 6,000 people in this tournament, all right? Uh, a lot of players that are much better than you. Hopefully, a lot of players that are not as good as you. Um, but it takes not only a lot of skill to win this event, but it takes a lot of luck, right? Yeah. You know, that's why the best players in the world. Do, you know, no offense to Mike McDermott, but it, it it's not that way anymore, right? Right. It's not the best players at the final table does every year. It's um, a good mix of amateurs and, and pros because there are a lot of landmines you gotta uh, avoid to make it that way. So. 
I my, my biggest advice is just never lose sight of the fact that you are playing in the main event and just soak up the atmosphere and enjoy it as much as you can. Now, I'm not suggesting you change your style of play for that, but uh, I would hate for someone to go out there, whether they put down the 10,000 themselves, or whether they satellite in, or whether they get to play because of an amazing gift like this. Uh, go out there, play, however long it is, whether it's two hours or 20 days, and walk away and realize that they played it like any other tournament, and they didn't really just soak in the fact that they were playing the main event. Yeah. Is that fair? Right? Yeah, yeah. So I think if you keep that in mind, all the other advice that we're going to give you is kind of nickel and diming kind of stuff. But as long as you stay true to that, I think you're really going to come out with a great experience, you know, win or lose or cash or not, right? Yeah. Uh, but a couple things I, I told him, I mean, obviously you have to adjust to the fact that this tournament is probably unlike any tournament you've ever played, right? we got two-hour levels. You're starting with 30,000 units. You know, most of the tournaments that folks that are listening to this show, like us, play are over in four hours, right? Right. And this is not going to be over in four hours. At the end of four hours, you're going to be at the 5100 level, I believe. <laughs> right? Right. So, uh, it takes a lot more patience, and you need to be, you know, you're probably going to be sit down, you're going to be jazzed up because you're in the main event. Um, and just remember, you can take some time here now. I mean, we, this, we go through this on hands of the week all the time, you know, is, was this the spot for me to make my move? You know, well, remember, you've got a lot of time to come up with a spot to make your move in this tournament. So, you know, if you end up with quads, absolutely, that's great. Go for it. <laughs> and if you lose to a straight flush, too bad. But, um, you know, I, I don't think you need to be pushing those 51-49 edges in the first two levels, right? Right. Um. The other thing I think is really big, I mean, for folks of us that have been out there, now I've never played the main event, but you and I have both played, you know, lead-up events. Um, but if you've never been even in the building, uh, you absolutely got a plan to get out there a couple days early, I would suggest, and just walk around and get the whole wide-eyed, starry, this is amazing stuff out of your system, right? Yeah. Because if you go in there that first day and you've never been in a room that has 500 poker tables crammed with people, um, it's going to be overwhelming, and um, you know you don't go back to my first advice. You want to enjoy the experience, but you don't want to be overwhelmed by the experience, right? So I think if you go there and you get get a feel of that. I mean, even sit down and play some cash there. I mean, they have one three no or one two no limit games or something like that. So I mean, you're not, you don't have to like break your bankroll, but you know, play some take some time playing in that environment or play a sit and go uh, or something like that, and get the feel for it. Um, and then the last thing uh, I'll say is uh, pack provisions. You know, um, it's a long day, and hopefully, if you do well, it's going to be a lot of long days. So, you know, pack that backpack full of protein bars and water and uh, lots of phone chargers and things like that. To so you you know you don't find yourself halfway through the day and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to starve or <laughs> I'm going to. Uh, be dehydrated or I, I can't check in with the wife on the phone because the phone's dead. So take those precautions and get everything ready and get out there. And then um, related to that, again, because it's a long tournament, never, I mean, I, I think there's like this thing where people are like, hey, I don't want to miss miss a hand or I don't want to miss a blind in a normal tournament, right? And a four-hour tournament, that's a big deal. You got all day here. So, you know, if you take a bad beat um, or if you need to go to the the bathroom and the next break isn't for another two hours you know just get up and go and clear your head and come back you know yeah you'll miss a couple hands you might miss a couple blinds but it's not going to be tragic in a tournament this long so don't feel like you have to be stuck to that table the entire day all right i'm done 
Well, I mean, you covered pretty much everything. The only thing I'd like to tack on to that is, and it might be a little cliche, but remember, you can't win this tournament in one day, and you're playing just your table. That's it. It may sound overwhelming when they announce that there's 6,000 people in this tournament, right? Or there's 8,000. Don't think about that. All you can do is play the eight other people that table with you or nine other people that table with you, and that's it. And so just think of it as you're just playing a regular sit-and-go you know, I mean, don't use single strategy, but I'm just saying that these are just, and you're going to be with these players for a long time, probably. Uh, I know when I played my event, it was 3,000 people in it, and I only moved tables twice. And the, the first time I moved, we moved right away again after that. It was weird. So I really only moved really once, um, and one of the players came from the original table. So I played for like nine hours, ten hours, and I was with those original eight or nine or so for a while i mean like most of that time like maybe six of those hours so get used to the people you're playing with and you have enough time to be able to get a baseline as to what they play what they show down that kind of thing because you're going to be with them a long time that doesn't happen normally in a regular daily at your local place or your home bar league like you mentioned or whatever so you know, get used to the people at your table, and and even if you have to take notes or whatever, just you're going to be with them for a long time as long as they don't, you know, get mix it up, whatever. Or you're not the first table to break, so you know you can only beat the people at your table all the time, and that's all you're doing. You're playing one table at a time. Don't worry about the massive field and all that. Just take it one hand at a time. I know it sounds cliche, but it it really, is, especially when it's your first big thing. Like I was going to say, like you did, soak it in and enjoy this moment that Tom is giving you. But once you're playing. Just focus on the table. Don't worry about all the sea of tables around you. None of that's going to bother you because you can only be who's in front of you anyway. That's it. That's, that's all I got. No, so, that's a great piece of advice. Yeah. Absolutely. Good luck, man. Okay, find yourself in a situation at your favorite poker room or home game and you're not sure what the proper ruling should have been? Email us at podcast at com. We'll have Hollywood Casino Toledo Director of Poker Elliot Schechter tell you how he would have ruled. This week's prize is an upgraded membership to PokerRadius.com, poker's best social networking site and home of the Annie Up Group discussions. Comes from our good friend Mark Wittig, and uh, he had it on PokerRadius.com, so this is good. He says, I'm in the 5C and C2 Mux's cards, and one of his cards makes its way under or in my hand. I had not looked at my hand yet. I had only moved my cards under my card protector. The dealer knew what card was not mine and took it out of my hand. Was that Okay. What would be the official ruling if the dealer did not see what card was not mine? Would it make a difference if I knew? What if I was taking a sip of one of the many great local IPAs and no one saw it? <laughs> I always like when people work something like that. that yeah. Nice. All right, Elliot says, uh, in the situation you described, everything turned out the right way. The dealer should have called the supervisor over to make the decision and remove the mutt card, but it was correct. Uh, but it was the correct call to spot. When cards are both identifiable and retrievable... We let them stay live. If there's no way to figure out which card didn't belong, the hand would then be dead. If neither the dealer nor the player saw which cards it was, and no determination can be made, the hand becomes the proverbial tree in the woods and would be sent back to the muck. At least a delicious small batch IPA would have been enjoyed by someone. <laughs> small batch. How about we go back to my office and enjoy a little small batch Hazel Baines? I don't know what that is, but I'll have it. That makes sense, though, especially if you can see the card and he knows what card it is. That's Yeah, again, and it's a good reminder, too, that the best tournament directors try to make the decision that makes the most sense, right? And yeah. they can make things, the 
the cards, even though we don't, some of us don't believe in destiny, but if we can uh, get the cards that were, were destined in one way or the other to the right people, um, that's what we're going to do. We're not going to, it should be this, this technical cards touching or cards, all that kind of stuff. So right. let's just try to make things um, the way they should be. And, and as much as you can do that, that's, that's the easy way of doing it. So I agree. You know, we had a week hiatus here, O'Malley's movie. We kept the Antioch Nation on the edge of their seats for an additional seven days. I feel bad. So we're going to refresh your memory here with part one of O'Malley's movie from way back in mid-March. And then we'll uh, we'll come back and uh, give you our thoughts. So here we go. Here's part one. Hello, and welcome to another O'Malley's move. I'm Malcolm O'Malley. This week we're playing a Micro Limits home game, 5 cent, 10 cent, no limit hold'em. We're six-handed and the evening is winding down, only about a half hour left of play after playing for two and a half hours. The button straddle is a common occurrence in this game and is on in this hand. Most players bought in for $20, we currently sit with 25 The blinds post, since the button straddle is on, action starts on the small blind who folds. The big blind calls and we're under the gun with the king of spades, Queen of Hearts. Decent starting hand, six-handed. With the button straddle on, we bump it to 60 cents. The plus one calls, the cutoff folds, the button calls, the big blind calls, and we're going to a flop with four players and $2.40 in the pot. Ugh. The flop comes down, the Queen of Spades, Seven of Clubs, Tray of Hearts. The big blind checks to us. C-betting is usually not good with multiple opponents, but we were the pre-flop aggressor, and what were we hoping for if not top, second top? I want to push out as many people as possible here. We make a pot-sized bet of $2.40, leaving us with $22 behind. The plus one calls, but the button and big blind fold. The plus one is new to the game of poker. He's a calling station that'll chase anything and has already made it clear that he is in gamble mode since the night is winding down. He also bets big on the river, whether he's bluffing or value betting. He's got us covered with over $30. There is now $7.20 in the pot, and the turn is the nine of diamonds. Maybe it's a mistake to try keeping the pot small here, but I just don't like this situation. I'd rather check here and keep the pot manageable. Our opponent checks behind. There's still $7.20 in the pot, and the river is the deuce of spades. Again, playing pot management... We check, hoping for a showdown. Our opponent leads out for $5. What's the move? All right, we checked the turn in the river for pot control, so uh, hashtag mission accomplished. Hashtag. Uh, I'm calling. Did you do the, the little two fingers and two fingers sign with your hands <laughs> when you were saying hashtag, too? Uh, let's see. No flush and no straight got there. I'll call, too. I don't like yes. to agree with you. but We're agreeing, yes. Yeah, yeah, I'm, but I'm calling. I have to call. So Here it comes, part two. Hello again. This was a tough one. It even drove me to the point of exposing my hand to try to get a reaction from my opponent. He called a raise preflop, a bet on the flop, checked behind on the turn, and then bet after we checked the river. What could this be? With this opponent, it could be anything, from a busted draw to a set. This could even be ace-queen, as his preflop game tends to be one of calling rather than raising. I just don't know what to make of this. To pair? Did he call me all the way down with pocket deuces? Maybe he flopped a set. There's no straight or flush possibilities. 
After what feels like forever to us, and most likely forever times infinity to the rest of the table, we muck. Our opponent tables the Queen of Diamonds, Eight of Clubs, for top pair, weak kicker. Nice bet. Until next time, I'm Malcolm O'Malley saying sometimes your opponents get the better of you. I hope to see you on the felt. Our friend O'Malley way overthought this one, didn't he? I think so. Uh, I don't think I'm ever folding there, to be honest with you. I mean, I know this person, you know, tends to bet big on the river, and you already said that. I just, I don't think I'm, I'm, and it's for five bucks. I mean, we already bet 240, right? And there's enough in there with top pair, top kicker, or not top, second, you know, whatever, big kicker. Um, I, I, I can't let it go. I just, I just, there's no way. Nothing really stands out that got there. I don't see why it would fold. Right? Yeah, well, again, you know, I mentioned the we checking for pot control. So I think this is a situation where, you know, we didn't follow through on our plan. Now, obviously, plans change and need to change sometime. I don't think there is any evidence here that we need to change our plan based on what. Uh, what we we were doing so you know we we did we made a couple moves that set us up to make a river call and then when we got to the river we didn't take advantage of the moves that we did to allow us to do that right yeah um so that's right i think he overthought and it's interesting because most problems uh most mistakes poker players make is they don't think about it enough right they make a rush decision or they don't consider all the information and then they make the move and they're like oh yeah i didn't think about that uh, but you also have to be mindful of sitting there and overthinking and going because if you start to think about every scenario, that's when you get the monsters on the bed kind of thing, right? Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, well, yeah, I guess it's possible you could have quads there. Oh my gosh, well, I can't be quads. All right, I fold, and then they get turns to a top pair, top kicker, right? <laughs> so, right. Um, so it's a good. It's always a, a tough balance between thinking enough and thinking too much. And I think I just decided it skewed a little too much to the uh, thinking too much. You know when I when I think about that he made it sixty cents to go got all those callers there's two forty in the pot then he bets pot and gets one caller that's seven twenty in the pot then when five dollars is bet you have twelve twenty in the pot you have five to win two and a half on your money at least and you have top pair with a decent kicker and nothing got there I mean nothing really got there I mean unless he's playing queen seven. Seven tray, seven nine, and does he really call pot if he hits middle or bottom pair? I mean, I know he's a calling station and chases, but nothing got there that he was chasing. So we controlled the pot to be able to, you know, either get somebody to bluff at at the end or whatever. But for five bucks for twelve, whatever twelve twenty, I think I, you know, I think I make that call and then learn from it. Maybe this guy's not what we think he is, and then it turns out he only got queen eight, which is. Not a great hand, and now you know, you know what kind of hands this guy's playing. Yeah, um, I mean there is. You're right. There's a little bonus advertising information that you get, or market research you get for making this call if you end up losing. Yeah. Um, and if you win, as we would have here, and get that information, that's even better, right? Because now it's free market research. Yeah, free exactly. <laughs> and then this was Zoom play money. You call instantly too, because the guy's probably got you know. Yeah, that doesn't really help because then you move to under tables. So. Yeah, yeah, I know. But uh, yeah, no, I'm sorry, I'm never folding there. Sorry, Mel. 
All right, it's time for the advancedpokertraining.com hand of the week. Send your hands or situations to podcast at antfmagazine.com. If you haven't won something from us in the past year, you'll get a free membership to Advanced Poker Training, the world's number one poker training site. This week's hand comes from a longtime listener, first time contributor, Chris Casenza. <laughs> I'm sorry, Chris C. from. And that was part. Yeah, yeah, we don't want. To. Hey, you know, aren't I supposed to read the intro? I'm doing the hand of the week. You <laughs> need to sit over there and just listen and struggle with this. Yeah, hold on. I gotta, I gotta dig out some paper here. I, you know, I got my new city commissioner badge. No, oh, gee, stop friggin' bragging. Sharp here, and uh, you know, uh, it's a badge. Well, you get, well, you get shirts and badges. So wow. you know, I also ordered a city commissioner soccer jersey this week. So using my wow. Using my clothing allowance. So if you get pulled over for speeding in Safety Harbor, you can flash the badge and go. Hey, no, no, this is the funny. This is what Ramsey said, too. He's like, do you get a badge? And I'm like, I do get a badge. And then he then makes this motion like I'm a sheriff, and I just pull this thing out and flip it. I'm like, no, it's a, <laughs> a name badge. Yeah, I know. A, I know. Not a get-out-of-jail-free badge. <clears throat> Isn't it a, a tag, a name tag? They make it a lot easier yeah, on everybody. Well, it's the same kind that we have on the cruise ship for a dealer. You call that a tag? Yeah, name I think tag. a tag is more uh, papery. I think a badge is Papery. substantial. Oh, jeez. You're weird. I think you just like telling that story every time. That's why you say badge. Yeah, exactly. You want to sound cooler than you really are. <laughs> okay. Let's get into this. So, everyone knows the most popular game on our ship is always 1-3 Nolan Hold'em. We, um, by the way, Scott, I wanted to let you know before we get into this real quickly. I played uh, 5-10 Omaha 8 with a full yes. kill. And end up being a ten twenty game pretty much every time because of course that's why you, you know. do it. Yep, absolutely. And I won, so uh, take that. I and like just to tell that story so you can say you. Won. That's right. I'm bragging. Put it in your pipe and smoke it. I walked away a real good winner playing that game. A real good winner. Real good winner. So, but uh, it's brutal. And you, you know when you think, oh, the bigger the stakes, the better the players, the tighter, you know, the the, the more they'll understand the game and they'll fold their no. Everyone plays every hand. Every time when you play that game, it's unbelievable. So I was, I just played it tight, and anyway. But the most, that was one of the different games that played during the week. But almost all week, it was, it was no limit holding them. Um, one night, a, a limit game got going, and uh, but most of the time, it was no limit holding them. Um, and then they had that that Omaha game go really late at night. Like they would start playing it like midnight. It was really kind of weird. Um, so anyway, we're in a no limit hold'em cash game, one dollar, three dollar blinds in the Annie Up Poker Room. Okay, gotcha. the main villain in this hand is fairly aggressive. Uh, we have only played a few orbits with him at this table, but we have watched him play earlier in the week and noticed he tends to bet constantly and tends to bet big when he bets. So. He has about $400 in his stack. It's the largest at our table after buying in for the max 300 He is two seats to our right, and we are on the button with about $325. Yes, up from 200 It's It's standard procedure for their hand of the week for the the uh, hero or whatever to have won money. So uh, we, are, we have run it up to, to 325 we have a table image of fairly tight aggressive. We have the second largest stack at the table behind our villain, and no one else has more than 250 uh, other than the villain, obviously. So here we go. Under the gun, plus one. Min raises to six. 
Everyone behind him, including the villain, calls. We look down on the button with nine of diamonds, six of diamonds. There's $34 in the pot. Sounds like this is going to be a Scott Long hand out of Chris Cassandra's hand. <laughs> Excited already. Well, there's 34 in the pot. We have position on the button. What do we do? Call. Scott calls. Do you, you want to give your reasons? Well, you know. Now that was that was knee jerk. So let me think this through. Um, knee jerk would be call because you got a very speculative hand. You got a lot of money in there, so you certainly have odds to play this. You're in position. Um, probably the best move. Now the alternate. I'm never folding here, I would say. So let's get that off the table. Uh, the alternate would be to, there's a lot of money in the table. You've got position. Let's raise. And probably what's going to happen is you're going to build the pot. You're going to lose. You might lose a couple people, but probably not too many. And then now you've got to, like, play this hand to the end as if you've got a big hand. So that's kind of why I don't like to raise here, but. But I could see I could I could see people making a case for raising, but I, I think I'm happy to uh, just go along here and hopefully pick up the blinds and get I don't know how many people are in this hand now, but a bunch, and uh, have a nice little pot and with a hand that uh, can flop big, or I can go home um, after this flop. Okay, so if you take the four dollars of blinds out, that means there were five callers still got to you because that's how I got thirty four in the pot. So we decide just like you. Thought about it for a minute. Thought about raising for a minute to try to steal all that money, and if not, just play it big. But we call. Um, well, let's back up. I don't think it's possible for you to steal all that money. So if that's the goal, that would be flawed, I think. I think well, there's too many people in this hand to get everybody out. I'm it's talking about a process. Yeah, I'm talking about a process. Like, you can make it ridiculous and make it 35 to go or something like that, 40 to go, and then everyone will fold, because that happens a lot on the ship. I did it three or four times yeah, during the week. But you also tell a story you're in position you make it 30 to go you get one call or the flop comes rags or whatever and you make your big bet they fold and you stole all that money essentially because you didn't really have a hand and you're just planning like you did so i was thinking of more of like that like there was a scenario where i was going to do it like you said you thought you had to play it to the end i was hoping to take it down after the flop but i didn't do it i did like you i said you know what no i'm just gonna try to flop something big i'm in position so the most i'll lose is six unless somehow the blinds behind me go crazy so well, the other thing, too, that I like about it, the min-raise is very weird, unless that was standard there. but it Yeah, it wasn't. Generally isn't on our cruise ship. So that kind of indicates to me either a hand that somebody's not excited about but feels like they need to raise it, but based on how you just... Is the villain down to gun plus one or somebody else? No, no. Okay, all right. So anyhow, so <clears throat> it sounds like to me like it's somebody that's got a hand where they think they've read a book or they listen to a podcast or something, we're told them if you have this hand, you always need to raise, but they're not confident about it. Yeah. You know, like a pair of threes or something like that, right? Or it's like aces or kings, and one of the people that are just trying to get cute, which usually comes back to bite them. So, um, you know, either way, by calling now, now you'll, I, I think you're in a better position to figure that out. I, I did find out later that the person who made it six, that was their MO. But I didn't find that out until later. Um, so just scratch everything I just said. So. Right. Um, but that yeah, that was later on. So okay, so we call on the blind call and 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 knuckled the table. So we have thirty six in the middle, roughly. Flop is six of hearts, nine of spades, jack of diamonds. It checks around to us on the button. Wow. What do we do? That's surprising. 
it is surprising. It's why it's end of the week. Well, this is even better then because now we're going to make a bet and a pretty sizable bet, probably half pot. And there are going to be people that are going to call because they think we're just trying to take a stab at this, and we're not. We actually got a hand now. Correct. So I I love this situation now. So uh, yeah, I'm going to bet half the pot. All right. So you're betting eighteen. Sure. Okay. I bet twenty five. Okay. Uh, my thinking was that either. yeah. And my thinking was uh, I'd be fine with taking it down right here. I mean, who who gets a you know that kind of money for a six dollar investment without really doing anything? Um, uh, but if they wanted to draw, because it was, it, I mean, it was, it was draw heavy in that somebody could have, there's two straight draws here that could happen, the low one and then the high one. Um, and people could have pieces of this, and I didn't want my bottom pair and middle pair to get sucked out on. So I was thinking if I'm going to play this, I want to, yeah, I want to make them pay. So I made it 25 to go. Um and the other benefit of it too is is betting a little bit bigger. Now it, it plays more to the story that we were talking about about you don't have anything. You're just trying to use your position to win the hand. Yeah. So. Yep. And then that looks like I'm trying to steal it. And they don't think I really have it, and I've got actually two pairs. So, um, everyone folds except the villain. And again, he's two to my right. He calls. So now there's about eighty in the pot, and the turn is the Ace of Hearts. So, again, the board is six of hearts, nine of spades, jack of diamonds, ace of hearts. Hmm. The villain checks. What do we do? Uh, all right. So, 50, like 80 something in the pot, right? Yeah, about 80, about 80 or so. Uh, well, since you bet 25, I'm just going to double it. I'm going to bet 50. Maybe 40 is probably the proper bet. But... Okay. And you're, you're, that's where you're and I'm going to base this on a couple of things. One, we, we still have a hand. Obviously, the ace is not exciting to us because of somebody stuck in here with uh, a six, ace nine, ace jack. Uh, now they've just caught up to us, right? Mm-hmm. Um, kind of hard for me to believe that that's what we're up against because there's no flush draw on the flop. So it's kind of a loose call for somebody that bets 25. Because you bet 25, right? Yes. So it makes it hard for me to believe that um, someone stuck around with that. Now, I guess the other side of it is that I'm thinking that somebody has an ace now and just got better, but that would be even worse than if he stuck around with no ace. I'm trying to think about the hands. Beyond. It would probably be something like a 9-10 would stick around. A jack of something. Well, ace-jack would be a possibility. Hmm. It's really the only couple hands that make sense. All right, so I guess I'm a little bit more fearful of Ace Jack than I was initially. Um, but I'm not going to be too scared of it, though. So I'm going to bet the fifty and see what happens. Okay, so before I, I might have been dangerous for the Ace Jack guy to check to us actually. There. That's what I'm saying. Why would the why do you have checked that flop with that multi-way pot? And he hits ace jack top pair top kicker. That's true. Does That's he have true. ace jack? Doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense, right? So if he checks to you, you could throw ace jack out the window, right? I wouldn't throw it out the window, but I would put it on the ledge outside the window. Yeah, it's a now, freshly baked pie, and right? it's standing on one leg. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So it's actually it's very curious now what we might be up against. 
So you want to stick with your fifty dollar bet? Yeah. Well, yeah. Even even if I uh, was fearful of DHA, I'd want to know right now whether I'm up against that or not. So okay. um, the fifty the fifty bet makes sense either way. But I think you make a compelling part point that Ace Jack seems less likely than I might have thought. Yeah. Well, I run through the possible hands he could have that would play it this way, and I keep coming back to a draw. Yeah, he, it seems like ten eight. Yeah, or like I said, if he had eight. if he had queen ten, he would probably play it this way, or even ten eight. Queen ten, yeah. If he had a random ace, would he check now? Because the board just got even more coordinated with two hearts. Would he really check if he had hit either just a regular ace or made aces up, like we talked about? Yeah. Like if he had a six, now a six makes sense maybe, but now checking it that doesn't make sense. Now the board got even more coordinated because now a Broadway draw gets there. Or you know gets picked up, hearts draw gets picked up. So you think you'd want to protect this hand? So I'm thinking, all right, uh, I, I got to stop this guy from drawing and not stop him, but I mean I'm I'm con- I'm convinced I'm good here, and I bet 45. Okay. Um, but he calls rather quickly. Yeah, it sounds like a draw. Yeah, it sounds like a draw. So with about 170 dollars in the pot, the deuce of hearts hits the river. Hmm. Now he counts out eighty dollars and slides it out. What do we do? Uh, call. You call? Yeah, it's it's a pretty quick. I know a pretty quick call, but uh, I, I'm gonna put him on trying to represent these hearts. The hearts. Yes. Okay. Which wouldn't make sense again. You have to, you have to, your story has to make sense, right? So. It's hard for me to imagine him sticking around on a heart draw when there's one heart on the flop, unless he had the ace of hearts in his hand. But he can't have the ace of hearts in his hand because that's on the turn. Right. So at this point, I think it still makes sense that he was on that draw and thought that he was going to get paid off if he hit his straight draw. But then saw the two hearts, knew that we probably didn't have two hearts. And now figures now that the third heart came, he missed his draw. Uh, therefore, he can't win unless he bets. And the fact that a heart came makes it easier for him to do that uh, to a person that's not paying as much attention as we are. Now, I know this is all going to blow up in my face here, but <laughs> that, that's my thought process here. Uh, we came this far. Um, you know, I'm not going to raise, I guess... I guess based on that analysis, the proper play would be to raise because I'm putting him squarely on a busted hand. But if you do raise, the busted hand isn't going to call, right? So I would argue that we shouldn't raise here because we're not going to get another dollar out of a busted hand. Uh, and if we're wrong, we are going to get re-raised to that stock. Right, uh, right. I'm never happy. raising. Quite ne- happy with the uh, just calling the 80 bucks and uh, hope that I figure this out correctly. Yeah. Never raising there. The only way I'm raising there is if I know I'm beat, and it's the only way I can win is if I make it 240 to go. But I'm never raising that plus spot. So we have two pair, and like we said, backdoor hearts just got there. Uh, I looked at him for a bit, and he just kind of stared at the board. Um, no, no hand made sense to me. I mean, other than a busted straight. Uh, now he's betting because he couldn't win. Otherwise, I mean, the, the one hand that I that made me take about a minute on this because I, I like I said I played Zoom poker for so long before this that I just I was lacking focus all week and it, it just felt like I needed to really get this right um, 
And then the hand that came up in my mind was 10 8 of hearts. I thought if he had 10 8 of hearts, right? It's possible. So he flops a 6 of hearts in a gutter. I mean, an open ended straight draw. I mean, he flops three hearts and an open ended straight draw, checks and calls. The turn gives him another heart, but it's still not the nut heart. So it's like. And he checks and calls again. Now it gets there, and he wants to make sure he gets paid off, so he puts out money. And I'm thinking to myself, that's the only hand that I think beats me here. I can't put any other hand on this guy. But I think we're asking a lot of this hand. For I know. The actual hand, too. So I'm willing to lose $80 to find out whether that's the exact hand. If it is, here's the other thing I think people lose, uh, lose sight of in poker, is that uh, you know, you really wrote a great a publisher column for our next issue about the ego thing that we talked about in the show. Right, right. right. Um, so it's not that at the table I need to jump up and go, you know what? I thought you had 10 8 hearts and blah, blah, blah. But I think it's nice to be able to go back, if that is the case, to say to someone, yeah, I figured it out. Yeah, I was an idiot and called the 80 bucks, but I figured it out, right? Yeah. Uh, so I, I even apologize to the table. I'm like, you know, I'm really sorry I'm taking this long. I'm just. I just can't figure out what hand this could be. And so there was like 250 or so in the pot. And I thought, you know what? I mean, I'm getting more than three to one on my money that with two pair and a lot of hands that miss or don't make, you know, that make sense that would play it this way or outweigh the ones that would beat me. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just, I'm going to say a solid minute easy. I called and he turns over the 10 of clubs. Mm. And the seven of spades. Seven of spades. Wow. So he, if we revisit it just real quickly, he had a gutter only, but it was, yeah. you know, he he, he had. I guess it's, um, yeah. No matter what, it's still a, a gutter, right? Because only the eight gets yeah, in the yeah. straight. It's the only thing that's going to help. <clears throat> so he called twenty. First of all, he called the raise, which is fine. Whatever, you know, it's six dollars, nothing. But then called twenty five on a gutter. Then well, called no, back up. I mean, right? really, I wouldn't even call the two or the three with ten of clubs, seven of spades. Right. So, I mean, <clears throat> the fact that it was six is better than him calling a raise to ten or twelve. Right. It's still a mistake, but um, but yeah. And then go on. I know what you're going. Well, yeah. So he put seventy in the middle with a gutter only. So he thought he was going to steal it from me the whole time. I think because. I mean, really, how do you call 25 on a gutter? And if you do, okay, fine. But then now you've missed again. You don't have the hearts. And I've put 45 out there, so I'm still betting this. Now you've risked 70, and then you put 80. So you lost 150 on a hand that you really had no right to lose. Yeah, I'm going to say if I have to, if I'm the public defender for this mm-hmm. villain, right? Right, right. <laughs> and I have to argue his case whether I believe it or not. How I would argue this is, if you go back to our initial discussion here, that you didn't raise pre-flop, you just called the six bucks, and then it checked around, so you made a an understandable stab at the pot, right? Mm-hmm. Now, he was just wrong on thinking that you didn't have anything that you were just taking a stab when you actually had a hand. Um, so if that's the case, and you did describe him as aggressive, right? Yeah. So, um, I think those are the kind of situations those guys like to live for, right? So now he's got you committed uh, on, a, on what he thinks is probably not a hand uh, that you have, that you're just trying to represent a hand. He doesn't have a hand either, but he has a potential of a miracle card coming that's really going to throw you off, right? Mm-hmm. 
Um, so, and then it sounded like everybody else got out of the way, so we knew we'd be heads up with you. And ten, those people tend to like to be heads up because they think they can outplay you by bets. And then the ace came, and he wanted to see what you were going to do, probably hoping that you were going to check behind because you didn't have the ace, and then he would get a free look for his eight. But when you bet, then he couldn't put you on an ace. And now thought, again, because of the hearts, that he picked up additional outs in his mind to win this hand even without the best hand, right? Yeah. So he, he figured at that point there's no way you could have hearts. So if any heart came now, he could represent hearts and win the pot. If it's eight comes, he'll win the pot. Um, and then thought, you know, hey, this is now the pot's got big enough that it was worth the risk. I would not have done any of that, but that's the case that I think is reasonable to me. That's got to be it. I mean, because there's no other there's no other plausible way for him to keep calling those big bets and then betting into me. So so he's just hoping to hit a four outer, betting using seventy dollars on a one three game to hit a four outer, and then when it doesn't get there, he risks a, tw- double that. You know, the eighty, not double that, but you know what I mean. So you know to try to steal it, and it's it's this is why we always talk about it on the show. If your story doesn't add up, you have to be able to know that a story adds up in your head that makes sense so that the other player can have that story too. And there's no story that made sense to me other than 10, 8 of hearts, and it was so specific that I just couldn't fold. But I, I really did think it out because I just had no confidence earlier in the week. This really helped. This this got me back on to like the way I normally play on the ship, and you know I just played tight and, and played pretty straightforward on the ship, but then I... You know, I splash around when I get a decent stack, and um, this really helped my confidence because up until then, I was just, I couldn't even really put people on hands because I was playing all that Zoom poker with play money. And, you know, you start to see these hands, and you're like, oh, they could have this, they could have that. And you start talking to yourself, like you said about the O'Malley's move. You start overthinking things. Yep. And I just, this really helped. And uh, I was surprised how quickly you called that. I, I thought, I thought a good long minute, and I think because my confidence was shattered all week that I just didn't feel like I was playing optimally. I think that was probably why. I think if I'm winning all week and I'm confident and I'm playing and I'm seeing the cards that are like as big as, you know, <clears throat> sales or something, I, you know, I don't really, I think then I make the call quickly. But the confidence thing was so hard. It's so hard that, you know, sometimes mentally, you know, it's the right thing, but you just, you're so timid to pull the trigger on it. And maybe he was, by the way, after that, he was real timid with me. After that, like the rest of the week, oh, yeah. Now he's going to see you call down a six nine on a, on a board that's dangerous without probably thinking through how we just thought it through. Yeah, and I don't know whether you thought it through the way. I mean, obviously that's always the problem with the hand of the week is we sit here and spend a half an hour with it when in reality the whole hand takes five minutes, right? Yeah. So uh, I totally thought it through though. I mean, like I said, I took a good minute on that call. I thought that just like we talked about it. That's how I thought through it in my head. And I, it took a good minute to call, and I even apologized to the table. So I did take that long. So I think once he realized that I'm not just some schmo that's just going to call or fold or whatever, that I thought it through, that he's not going to be able to bluff me with a crappy story. And so we never really entangled that way, but he really was sort of timid with me the rest of the week. So Well, I think here's the other thing that's interesting about uh, this dynamic, too. Let's go back to 2004, right, when Greg Raymer won the World Series. Mm-hmm. And you remember the whole Mike Mattisau saying, you can't bluff a calling station, right? Right. Um, it turns out that Greg was much smarter than that. But uh, but that, you know, when people ask about uh, how do you find a maniac, uh, once a maniac knows you're going to call, uh, their only way of winning the pot is to have the hand, right? Right. And that takes a lot of weapons out of their arsenal. 
now. Now, obviously, that's a difficult thing for us on our side because they might have a hand. I mean, you might lose because of that. Um, but I'm going to guess what probably happened here is that guy said, hey, in his mind, he thought there's no way you should have called that with your hand, that there was so much danger out there that you should have folded to that bet. And the fact that you did, now he knows, hey, uh, it's not so much that I can't push you around. It's that, you know, logically, it doesn't make sense for him to bluff you going forward if he if he thinks that there's a higher degree of probability that you're going to call. Right. It's got to have a hand now to make that that same river bet going forward. And I'm like the furthest thing from a calling station. Exactly. You know what I mean? Right, right. So. And yeah, and that's, that's an unfortunate term here, but I'm like, again, you know, if somebody, the reason aggressive players do so well is because they get people to fold, not because they get people to call. Right. So they'll get the pot pretty big enough, and then they'll make a big bet, and they'll have you over there scratching your head. You're like, oh, you could have this, could have that, and I'm going to fold. And they, you'll notice that the really good aggressive players very rarely ever show down hands. Right. So once they're forced to show down a hand, or they know, hey, we're going to get, I'm going to be forced to show down a hand, now they're much less likely to make that that same kind of bet that he just made here. Well, it was uh, it was an eye opener for me, and it really got me focused the rest of the week. So, remember, if the story doesn't add up, you know, make the call. That's that's the, the uh, I don't know the whatever you want to say, but that I mean that's that's just the way it felt for me, and it was it was good. It really got me focused, and it got me to start paying attention more and start get right into that groove. So, I'm really glad I called, and uh, it was a really good cruise, and I'm glad uh, it worked out the way it did. I'm Chris Costenza, and I'm Scott Long. We'll see you at the tables. Anti-Up is a production of antiupmagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at antiupmagazine.com or call our hotline at 206-338-6344. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at antiupmagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network.